3: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Don't Blame Me. And this is very exciting because we have. A, a guest melissa how long has it been since we've had a guest
5: that we didn't know
4: oh yeah because we had candace yeah. and we had gave me but no someone we someone like a professional not a, no offense to our
5: our friends, <laughs> friends, but our like, friends. But like
4: professionals
5: yes uh years <laughs>
4: <laughs> literally years so we have logan yuri here and you are, I mean, your accolades are like, you're like a, a dating expert, dating coach, and you also work with Hinge. Can you like give us a little blurb to our audience so they can understand like how much more qualified you are than Melissa and I?
6: <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and glad to be an expert on the show. And uh, maybe i will maybe i will have more guests in the future if this goes well. So we'll see. So yeah, so I work at Hinge as the director of relationship science, and I've been there for almost four years and I do research into modern dating. And then I get to share stories of this is what's working. This is how people can date differently. So I really get to have my finger on the pulse of dating. And then I also wrote a book called How to Not Die Alone, which is my research that I did before Hinge about dating, changing your mindset, using psychology to understand what's holding you back from finding love. And then I also work one-on-one as a dating coach.
4: That's so interesting. And you are, like, literally, and I don't mean this in an inappropriate way, like, you are, like, the wet dream of our listeners. Like, the amount no. of people who are, like, <laughs> jading apps, like, this shit fucking sucks. This is so hard. And I've been, I'm, like, one of those unicorns who's, like, very lucky in that, like, I met my fiancé at, like he through work and we were friends mm-hmm. and all of that. And so like the only few dating app dates I went on were just for like shits and giggles and like laughs. And this was funny. And it was because I'm a Leo and I was like, oh my God, I'm the best. They're like, you're the coolest girl I've ever met. I'm like, of course I am. Like I just didn't see my <laughs> ego. And so like giving yeah. advice on that, I'm like, I don't know. You know, like it's, it's, I, I come from a, a very different non-scientific uh, approach to all of
3: this
5: <laughs> Yeah. And I've been on dating apps and I haven't had, like they kind of scare me. So I mm-hmm. am very interested in what you have to say.
6: And yeah, I'm glad to be here and hope I can live up to your listeners' wet dreams. Yeah, no, I promise you, you will.
4: Yeah, yeah already. Great. They heard your credentials and they said, okay, Megan and Melissa make up their credentials. And we're like, yeah, and what's it to you? So to Great. give everyone a lowdown, uh, this is an advice podcast if you're new here and we have listeners call in if you'd like to call in for an upcoming episode. 310 694 International listeners, you can send an audio message to MeganPodcast at gmail.com. We also now take write-in submissions. You can send it to the same email or to our Instagram DMs. Keep it under 300 words. Keep the audio messages and voicemails under three minutes. Explain everything. And we will do our best. And we did give Logan a, a, the precursor ahead of time that uh, some people say that they're sensitive. So let us know if you're sensitive. And also, if you're not sensitive, then we're going to go in with our true authentic uh, instant reaction of usually some tough love. And hopefully we'll we'll help people's lives. And don't worry, because if we don't, it's in the title, Don't Blame Me. And now it's Don't Blame All of Us. So they can't be mad (laughs) at us if we don't make it, if it doesn't work for them. (laughs) We like to clarify that. So And be 18 or over. Oh, yeah.
5: Or have your parents' permission. And then also, if you'd like, include your pronouns. Yeah. Also include your age.
4: Include your age, because we always, the advice definitely depends.
6: Yeah, I think that's so smart.
4: So, what's our first one, Melissa? Is it we have a call or write in?
6: It's a call. Here we go.
7: Hi, Megan and Melissa and guests. I am 27 years old and calling for advice on dating and getting into long term relationships. So, I've never been in a long term relationship. I've, you know, done the whole casting of sex and hookups and things like that, but I've never had a serious partner or long-term boyfriend or girlfriend, Um, and honestly, my mom has told me that she's worried that I'm not going to end up with anyone, I'm not finding anyone, I might end up alone. I mean, she hasn't said that, but, you know, she's kind of said that. I'm the youngest in my family and the only girl, and my brothers have all been successful in dating and having long-term relationships and partners. And I also feel like, as a woman, if you're a decently put-together and driven, genuinely kind, straight guy. It's really not that hard to find a girlfriend. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty fulfilled in my life. I'm in a PhD program. And I always say to my parents, like, oh, like, that's what you're going to see. Like, that's the first thing you're going to see from me is my degree. Like, that is my child, and everything else will come after that. But I just haven't had luck on dating apps because I can't get past the first or second date or even out of, like, the chats that are in the apps. And I don't know, like, I'm being self-conscious, but I feel like a lot of the guys that we have gone out on this with, or met out at bars are kind of turned off or don't really know what to do with themselves when I say, like, oh, where I went to school or that I'm pursuing a advanced degree. And I don't know if you have any pointers on how to get past the chat slash casual dating part of dating apps because I honestly just find it exhausting and overwhelming going on dates all the time and getting cute and, you know, putting my best foot out there and with my best foot forward and keeping good conversation. And I just get kind of disappointed in all the prospects that are out there. And I'm also exploring dating women. I just think that it's hard that I don't have a long-term relationship as a point of preference at all with anyone. And at my age, I feel like a lot of people have had lots of dating experience. So I'm just self conscious about that. And I could use some advice on how to do that, you know. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Also, I love the show. And uh,
6: yeah, sorry. Bye. Okay. So let's just talk about her situation. So first of all, she sounded really burned out. She just sounded like she was having a hard time. And so I think just acknowledging that from the beginning, that dating is really hard. It's hard to keep a positive mindset when you're not getting the results you want. And I think a lot of people go through a cycle of you know download the app date a lot get burned out delete the app and then go through it again and i think that's just really hard for people and they don't necessarily see results with that and so then with her you know i would also say like should she take a break has she taken a break like just kind of starting from like a mindset perspective of how can she get in the best mindset for dating because i think where she's from right where she's coming from right now it's really hard and it's hard to connect with people when you're feeling this way The next thing I would do, I'm just going to go through some of the basics is, of course, like having the best profile possible. I think we all know that. But then even when I was with some Hinge employees last week and like there's this girl that I work with, she's beautiful, she has an amazing personality. And we're talking about some of her success and struggles on dating apps. When I looked at her profile, I was like, this could be so much better. And you work at Hinge. And Mm. so I think like we all know that we should have a good profile, but I think that there's a lot of work that people can do there. So, for example, it's so clear, and I think people know this, but really thinking about the story that your pictures tell. And so, for example, um, if you only have pictures from your photo shoot with your dog, like we know that you have a dog, but we don't really know other things about you. And so how can you use your profile to tell a story? How can you respond to your prompts in a way that will start a conversation with people? And So the first thing that I would do for her is think about what kind of conversations is her profile starting? Could she have a better profile that represents this new version of herself and really do that? Then in terms of chatting, I often find that women complain about who their matches are, but that they are not proactively going after what they want. So it's kind of like if you wanted a dream job, but you didn't tell anyone about it, you just waited to see if recruiters messaged you on LinkedIn. And then you were like, there's no good jobs there. It's like, well, you also have to reach out. And so I would encourage her to reach out to men and women and see who she's interested in and put herself out there and send a comment instead of just a like. And then in terms of chatting, really getting off the app as quickly as possible. Hinge isn't really meant for you to be there to have these weeks and months long conversation. It's like meet the person, use it as a matchmaker, get to texting, get to a phone call, get to a video call, get to a date. Really just thinking about it as like, this is how we meet. And then let's have an IRL conversation or let's at least have a video chat. So, trying to do that faster. And so she can send messages like, Hey, I don't love texting on the app. Here's my number. Or I'm going to this event on Thursday. Do you want to meet? Really pushing so that she's getting to those in person meetings sooner because nobody loves that chatting period. And if they do, then they're just looking for a pen pal. So, I'd encourage her to really be bold. And if somebody gets turned off by that, then maybe they didn't want to meet up in the first place anyway. And then in terms of first dates, I would really have her think about what is she doing on these dates? Is she going on? Walks where there's no chemistry. There's nothing romantic about it. It feels like a friend date. Switch it up. Like I think that coffee dates are really boring. It feels very corporate. It feels like networking. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're not going to feel the spark when you're just sitting across from somebody talking about, you know, how many siblings you have. And so really thinking about what side of herself does she want to bring to these dates? How can they be more fun? Is there an event that she wants to go to anyway that she can make her date come to with her? And then even if they don't have a great connection, at least she had fun really just kind of auditing those stages of the profile, the messaging, the first date, the after the first date, the second date, and really saying, what are all the places where I can try something different? I think that will give her a better chance at connecting with someone and she will just have more fun. Like, I feel like she's not having fun right now. She's getting a lot of negative messages. Will I end up alone? And I want her to feel like dating is part of her life and something that she can do in a sustainable way.
4: I love that. And I, I feel very validated because for me, when I was on dating apps, like the whole thing, I was like, I was personality heavy first. Like the whole thing is I'm like, I don't want to be t- messaging these people forever and talking. So like if I am being so <laughs> coming on, not like I'm not coming on strong, but like I'm being so very me, like I'm not watering my personality down. It, I can tell within the first response to a message like that, if I'm like, okay, you don't get me. And then I'm like moving on. Okay, someone else like, okay, you don't get me. But kind of holding back on your personality or like who you really are waiting till you do that in person it can be hard because you feel like well i want to get to know them a little the better first to decide if i want to do this i'm like but unless you're being like fully yourself you're not actually getting to know them better in these messages like you're just Mm -hmm. pinging back and forth and so i think like the band like i always reference love island but like they're all about the banter i'm like if you can give your personality that very quickly like the most important thing to me was humor. And so I'm like, if someone, like, I find someone funny in response to me and they find me funny, and that's a four message exchange maximum, then let's meet up. But like, great doing that, that's it's, it's otherwise you're right. It's like, it's just pen pals.
5: Yeah. Totally. I agree with that too. Cause like, I've said this ex- before, like, I'm an experience. Like, you got to experience me in person. Mm-hmm. I just need to make sure that you're not like a weirdo in the text message enough to get me, you know, on the date. But like, if we, you know, you still want to keep vetting people once you meet them. But I want to meet somebody in, or I want to get to know somebody more in person, not through messaging and stuff.
6: There's some good research on that, what you just said, Melissa, where basically it's like, there's these different types of goods. They're called like searchable goods and experiential goods. So searchable goods would be like buying a camera, buying Bluetooth headphones, buying a keyboard. It's like, there's this thing, you can look at the technical specifications, you can look at the weight and the battery life and this and that, and you can search for it. And it's like stuff you buy on Amazon. And then there's things like movies and wine where I'm gonna have a different experience than you. Mm -hmm. And I need to taste the wine to know if I like it and you may Mm -hmm. like it and I may not. And we treat people like searchable goods. Oh, what's their height? What's their level of education? And we think that they're that way, but they're actually experiential goods. Mm -hmm. And so I think what you said is spot on, which is, um, you know, that you're an experience. And so you need to get that person in front of you as quickly as possible so that they can see, is this the experience that they like? Yes. As opposed to somebody thinking, oh, well, I know who she's going to be because I know all these things about her. It's like, no, you don't know what the experience of being with her will be like.
4: Yeah, and sometimes like the experience of I've had where you have a list of the what you want in somebody else, and then you experience mm-hmm. it in real life. Like I was like, I want to date a guy who's like over six four because I'm like, I, I lie about my height all the time, but I'm like tall. Um, and very I was, tall. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also yeah. an actor. So like, you know, you got to lie about your height because male actors are short. Um, and so I was like, I want to date a guy who like is over something like over like 6'4 and like I want him to work in finance. I have no idea where that came from. And the funniest thing is like my fiance like now works in finance, but like didn't before. And I met up with this guy we went on a date and like it was the best date he's ever been on. It was not the best date I've ever been on. Like he was like, you are so interested and so cool. And I was like, oh, wow. I realize now that like the how tall you are and what your job is, like, That is like the the experience of dating you and like this. I'm like, I'm not having any fucking fun. And like, this is not, this is not like, but so so pursuing the things that you think are important to you makes you realize like, oh, that actually might not be that important to me. But you're Mm -hmm. right. If you don't message those people, then you you'll never know and you start building those things up in your head and then it's like oh it's a me problem it's like actually it could be a them problem but you just like haven't met them yet
6: i have a chapter in my book called you think you know what you want but you're wrong yeah. and it's basically exactly that it's like i have so many clients that come in and they're like logan i know exactly what i want i want a five seven skinny redhead i just need your help finding them <laughs> i'm like first of all gross second of all no terrifying <laughs> like that's that's not what our work is going to be together. It's going to be figuring out who have you dated in the past? What side of you did they bring out? Why didn't it work out? Oh, turns out you've dated some people like that and it didn't work out. Like clearly the answer isn't just finding that exact person. It's really you understanding who you are, what you want, what you're bringing to the table, all these different dimensions. So when people are too convinced that they know their type, I am skeptical. And I actually feel like when my clients have success is when they're like, So I met this guy, but he's not really my type. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Like, this is when it's going to work because you are going outside of the type that actually hasn't been serving you.
4: Yeah. Can I ask you like what you think are, aside from like events and stuff that you're already going to, like Mm -hmm. what you would suggest
6: as like better first date options or like even more unique first date options Mm -hmm. for people? Yeah. So a big thing that we've been researching at Hinge for the last few years is the rise of sober dating. And I'm really excited about it. I think that Gen Z, well, I know that from the research that Gen Z is leading the charge and they're like, first of all, I want to meet you, not you on two cocktails. I don't want to have anxiety the next day. And they feel like they just want to date in this different way. So like dry dates in general are things that I'm a fan of. And so whether it's going to a comedy show, um, having a picnic. Like going to an art supply store and like getting a couple things and like doing Fun. a little art project. Like, I know sometimes people are like, that's more of a second or third date. Like, that's a lot of, that's effort. What if I don't like them at all? So people should do things that are feel approachable to them. But I think the point is, you don't need alcohol, but you also want it to be more than a networking meeting. And so when I have clients that are like, oh, I met the guy at 7 a.m. before my work meeting, I'm like, no one feels sexy at that time. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to have a romantic connection before you've had coffee at 7 a.m. And so just, understanding that the environment in which you meet has a huge impact on how you feel and design it environment that is actually going to create connection and have a sense of romance and sex appeal and just really switch things up. So like our first caller, she needs a little reset. And so what are some fun things that she can do to make her city feel more exciting and to make herself feel more, more interested in dating? I
5: love that. Do you have anything to say to women that feel like that they're, super successful and then uh, people don't see them like as someone to like go after to
6: date? Yeah, I, I think that's really common. I definitely hear that a lot. If I had to think about the breakdown of my clients, I would say like a subset of my clients are super successful women who are like everything in life I've gotten because I've tried really hard. I wanted this job. I went after it. I wanted to run this marathon. I went after it. I have my financial future all figured out. But dating is this one piece that doesn't work like that. And I think I, I'm i that sort of type A woman too. And I went to a dating coach and I had the same experience where it's like, why can't I effort my way through this? And I think that's what's just so hard about dating is that it is this kind of separate thing in which you can try really, really hard, but that's not always going to work out because it's not an exact science of like this effort equals this result. There's like, an alchemy of love that's going on and it's beautiful, but it's also frustrating. So I would just say, first of all, I think that experience is very real. I hear about it a lot. I hear about women who are like, you know, if a guy has a great high powered job, then he's honored for it. But if a woman does, then it's just seen as like a distraction or she won't be as present of a mom. And so I think this is just like a real thing that people are experiencing. That being said, I have a lot of friends in this category and clients in this category who have found great people who are like, heck, yeah, like, let's be a power couple. I love your ambition. I feel inspired. You're making me a better person. And so I'd say the challenge is real. But when you do find the right person, they are going to honor you for that and really admire you for it. And it won't be something that you have to hide. You should never be hiding your light.
4: Yeah, I agree with that someone once told me that, like, I like when I was single, I was like, I don't get necessarily approached by the people I would like like to get uh, approached by. And um, one of my guy friends at the time had told me, he's like, if if I'm like a straight guy going like into a bar and or I like see this girl and I see, and it seems like she has everything together, I'm going to assume that she's in a relationship. Like I'm going to assume this kind of stuff about someone. And so thinking that like kind of waiting around for it to happen or being like, well, if they were interested, they would pursue me. But like sometimes when you do have it all like forward facing really outwardly, you have it all together. People assume that means that there's also a relationship component in there. And so- I think, like, making the first move and, like, being vulnerable there, I think, is really disarming for people who might build someone up in their head. And uh, there's a lot of people who aren't intimidated by that, but it's it's not that they are intimidated by it. They just assume, like, oh, I just assume you would have been in, in a relationship. Like, how would I know? Or I assume you wouldn't be interested in me. And so there's a lot of insecurity in that, too, that I think that, like... You know, it's good to, and that's why I I always liked dating apps in the sense that I would be much more forward on a dating app than I would be in real life, and it's like a great way Mm -hmm. to kind of practice that
6: skill. I think that's really smart and great advice, and I think not enough people do it. Going back to what I said about LinkedIn, it's like, oh well, nobody messaged me on LinkedIn with my dream job. It's like, no, people that have their dream jobs created that job. They went after it. They. Did work for free. They got mentors. They studied at the library on the weekends, whatever it is, there was an effort. And so I think if the only people that you're looking at are the people that are messaging you, then you're missing out. And so, yes, like I think that your point that you may be coming across as intimidating, even if it feels unfair, Mm -hmm. let's just own it. Yes, you probably are intimidating and somebody either thinks you're in a relationship or that you're too good for them or that you're so busy. How would you have time for them? The way to override that would be to show them that you're interested. Yeah,
5: that was great. I love that. Get your PhD girl. And you're getting into a relationship, awesome.
4: too. I Most see people it. in PhD programs, they, they, like, settle down later. And, like, you know, it's like...
6: Yeah, that's true. 27, I'm not worried about her. No. Yeah. I'm not worried about anyone, but I'm not worried about 27. I think that we all compare ourselves to the people around us, but she's pursuing a... Education line that takes a long time, she'll be fine.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, only thing I'll
6: say to her is, don't
4: date like a forty-five-year-old, because like that's just some 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 people will be like, just you gotta you gotta date someone older. And then I'm like, as I always say, if you're gonna date them older, they should be very old, very close to death, and
5: you should be in the will.
6: <laughs> and that's how you should get it. Hot take from Megan. Yeah, there you go.
4: <laughs> Said it before. I'll say it again.
5: <sighs> All right, let's take a break.
2: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In our live stream, our listeners
5: are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love.
4: This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available. And I I, I, love, I love everything about it. So I'm so excited for someone who like, you know, the ease of getting into a book a lot of it can feel like really daunting so to have like a service where it's like you're gonna get like high quality hardcover books which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices but also curated so it's like amazing cool wonderful great this is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month And we're back from our break, and we're getting to the rest of the advice.
5: All right, the next one's a write-in.
4: Hi, Megan, Melissa, and guest. I'm 22, she/her, and need advice with first messages/slash getting dates from dating apps. I moved to a new city in September, and I've been wanting to meet new people and go on dates with the aim of getting into a relationship. I've been using Hinge because I heard it's better for finding guys who are looking for something more than just a hookup. However, the people I match with don't often message first. And if they do, the conversation goes on too long before they initiate a date and I get bored and stop responding. LOL. Do you have any advice for sending the first message as a girl to a guy or sparking date requests? I have a prompt on Hinge saying the way to win me over is taking me on a date. Is that too specific or am I just matching with the wrong guys? I also recently found out my long-term ex from my hometown that I dated from ages 15 to 21 just proposed to his new girlfriend, who he's been dating for for less than a year, and they started dating less than a month after we broke up. Any advice for not letting this consume my thoughts? I'm not having a sad emotional response, but I was super shocked that he was obsessed with the idea of proposing to me less than a year ago. Like, how can someone move on that fast? I worry that I will never connect with someone in the same way. Thank you so much. Love the podcast. Oh, that's tough. I would be so bitter. (laughs) I'm so mad. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, those
6: dates are hard. So she was dating a guy. He was ready to propose to her. Then they broke up. Then he started dating another person within a month. And then now he's engaged to her and they've been dating less than a year. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think that is a challenging timeline.
4: Yeah.
6: It's interesting that she said she's not sad about it. She's more like, how could this be? Yeah. How could he move on?
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think like that's like the hard thing of when you've been dating, like, we we talk about on the podcast a lot, like dating through, like you're growing up, like your formidable years of like when you go from dating in multiple venues, like high school to then college mm-hmm. or out of college. Like So if someone becomes kind of like a barnacle of a, a time in your life. They become attached that you associate with them with that. And so I think like moving on from that and realizing that it can feel like maybe that connection wasn't reciprocated in the exact same way, but some people, they can bounce to things without it, meaning that, how they felt for you is totally gone. But to me, this sounds like someone who really wanted to get married. And mm-hmm. that was the, yeah. the goal of it. And you did
5: want to, so they moved on and found somebody that did.
6: Yeah. If I'm thinking about the connection between the first two callers, I think one thing is that idea of comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. So the first caller is 27 and they're like, everyone else is having these experiences and I'm not, am I behind? And the second one, I don't get the impression that she wishes she was with this guy. She's just like, should I be somewhere else? Or like, because he's moved on and he has a fiance now, am I behind? And so I think so many people just have this experience of feeling like they're behind, but she never said, I want to be with him. I wish we were still together. She's just like, am I, am I late to the game?
4: Yeah. So, so moving to a new, she moved to a new city and wants like meet more people. So one of the things like, I guess, so do do we have any advice for sending the first message as a girl or, Sparking date requests. I think the date requests you gave initially were good, but like, what messages Mm -hmm. do you think work well as a first message for openers?
6: Sure. Yeah. Let me give a few ideas there. So, first of all, I think moving to a new city is challenging because you don't have that like built in crew, but it's also an excuse to get out there and meet new people. And I feel like if you go to an event, you can just say, Oh, hey, I'm new. Like, um, this event is great. Like, where else should I go? Or it's just an excuse to introduce yourself to people. And I think there's this um, concept in psychology called the fresh start effect. So basically beginning of the year, beginning of the month, beginning of a new season, when you move, it's a chance to make new habits and it's a time when people can change because in general, behavior change is pretty hard. So she should take advantage of the fresh start effect. I have this concept in my book called the events decision matrix, which is basically figuring out what are the events that you should go to to meet new people. And so basically what you do is I'll try to visualize it for listeners. So basically there's a vertical line and a horizontal line. And for the vertical line, you say, what is the likelihood that I'll interact with people at this event? So things that are really interactive would be things like like a book club. That's one that like my clients have met a lot of people at. It's like, you go to the book club, you've all read the same book, or hopefully you've read it, and you're gonna talk about the book club. You're gonna talk about it. A really not interactive one would be like a horror movie marathon, where like maybe you all love horror movies, but you're not going to talk to anyone there. And on the other line, you say, What's the likelihood that I'm going to like this event from something that you're not interested in at all to something that you really like? And so you want to find stuff in the upper right-hand quadrant. That's kind of the, the golden space, which is high likelihood I'm going to talk to someone and high likelihood I'll like the event. And so if you prioritize events there, then even if you don't meet someone, you still had a good time because it's an activity you liked and you know that it's the type of thing where people meet. And so she should look at meetup or Facebook events or Know local art things, whatever she's into, and see what are local events that fall in that upper right hand quadrant for me. And she should really go to those. In terms of the apps, it sounds like she's kind of trying to figure out where she falls in terms of how proactive to be. And I would say be extremely proactive. All the data supports this. So it's like men are happy when somebody messages them and happy for somebody else to make the first move. It doesn't make them value the person less. And to be honest, someone who you really are interested in, other people are interested in too. So you can stand out by making the first move. We did really cool research on Hinge where we thought, when should people say that they're looking for a long-term relationship, right? People ask me this all the time. On my profile, first date, when do we message, um, second date, I don't want to come on too strong, but I don't want to waste my time. And so we did this experiment where we had different profiles and we showed them to 12,000 people. And sometimes the profile would say, I'm looking for a long-term relationship. And sometimes they would say, I'm looking for, you know, someone kind and adventurous, like something more vague. And what we found is that if you stay on your profile, you're looking for a long-term relationship, people who are also looking for that are 10% more likely to send you a message. So amazing, you're hearing more from the people you want to hear from. But perhaps even better, someone who wasn't looking for that is 17% less likely to send you a message. So those fuckboys that are going to waste your time are not messaging you. So you're turning the right people on and the wrong people off. And so the application to her is that she should put what she wants on her profile, but she should also be really bold about, you know, the key to my heart is taking me on a date, but then she should add a hook. So she could say, you know, extra credit if it's sushi. Or extra credit if you take me on a hike I've never done before. Like something that's a little more specific and playful. And I love for every prompt to have that kind of hook in it where it's like, if I wanted to message you, it's so easy for me to know what to message you because you've asked me a question that I can then respond to.
4: Yeah, I I feel so validated in some of the advice we've given over the years on the show, because like I said the same thing to like on the podcast and off the podcast to friends about like who are like, I don't want to like say that I'm looking for a relationship. I don't want to come on too strong. And I was like, you're ruling out all of the people that are going to break your heart and you are inviting all of the people in who you're actually trying to pursue something with. Like you're just whittling down the pool to exactly who you're looking for. Like this is not going to affect you negatively at all. And also like I would say about the prompt, I think, like, incorporating the fact that she's in a new city, like, I think that could be really fun. Like, if you have, like, a specific interest, yeah. whether it is, like, you love bagels, you love sushi or something. And it's, like, the way to my heart is taking me to your favorite this spot, like, because, like, I'm new to the city. Like, or something, like, in the profile which explains that because there is nothing that specifically straight men love more than introducing the women they're interested in (laughs) into things of being like, oh my God, like people are so fucking passionate about like, I mean, it's LA here. So like people are so passionate about who has the best tacos. People are so passionate about like, who is the best of this. And that is like sharing something that you love with someone else who's like open and predisposed to like want to love it too, I think is like such a good way to make a connection. And it's also like, I don't know, like I think like one of the subtle ways is like I love to see in my friends or people who they're dating, like the person who is showing someone something cool, them looking at their reaction and they're getting so happy that the person that they're taking is like happy mm-hmm. there. So like it's a um, you know, I, I don't think it comes across in like the kind of like weird flexi like I'm going to show you that and I'm like better. it's it's people like sh- sharing those things. And it's like a point of connection. And yeah, I think being I think she should I think I agree with you, like be even more specific in the prompt because that's like I always found like the funniest, the best ways I would respond is like if someone gives you a profile where I'm like, no one has anything to say. They're gonna have to sit there and like think and try and be so creative and respond to something as opposed to making
6: it open the door for them, like make it easier to start. That's at. exactly that's exactly what I think. So like my phrasing around that is that people think a profile is a monologue. I'm just monologuing at you, but it should actually be a dialogue. It should be the opening line that creates the conversation. So saying, I'm new to LA. I've heard the best tacos are at blank. Prove me wrong. Like mm-hmm. so many people would be excited about that. Like show the hot take, mm-hmm. have somebody be like, absolutely not. And I must rectify this immediately. Like that's, that's engagement. That's people being excited to talk to you. I love your point about people have pride in their city and she should lean into that. I think those are really good points. And so everyone listening should audit their profiles and say, am I giving people a layup? Is this an opening line that somebody can respond to? Am I making it easy for somebody to reach out? And second, they should be reaching out to other people as well.
4: Yeah, because it's like Facebook Marketplace. Like you want that really cute bed. Everyone else wants that bed, too. Like you better message like you better. You can't just like sit around it and wait for that to happen. I wholeheartedly agree with all that.
6: I think people forget that because if you're at a party and there's a hot person and everyone's talking to them, you have the visualization that you're competing against other people think sometimes on an app, we can forget that. And I'm not trying to emphasize this point of competition or make people feel bad, but it's like when something is desirable, other people desire it too and go after what you want.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think that touches on how the um, writer said that, you know, their matches don't message first. You can message them. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And then also the conversation goes on too long before they initiate the date. You can initiate the date. You don't have to wait for somebody else.
6: Yeah. Maybe that's the headline for this person is go after what you want. Mm-hmm. You'll get the results you want. Yeah.
8: All right. Next one. Hi, Megan and Melissa. I hope you guys are well. So I, 26, she, her, lived with my partner four and a half years, 30, they, them. We've been living together for about a year and a half. It's been really wonderful. We've had a few challenges with division of labor within the house, but overall, everything's really good. These two lives within their dog. They adopted this dog a little over two years ago, and we have had beef from the start. Me and the dog. Um, the dog, I'll call her Rose, is a rescue. She's a large, medium, seventy-five pound shepherd/hound mix. So, very fucking anxious. <laughs> My partner's never had a dog before. Rose is a very challenging dog. Like she you know, has had issues with ripping things up, specifically my things. Like, now it's just been my things, my favorite clothes. She's not great with new people. We can't really have people over. You know, make. I have PTSD, and she's from, like, family and childhood stuff, and she makes it a lot worse. And though we've had training for her, this dog also has been returned. Like, she, a couple had her for eight months, and then she was returned, which – wild and fucked up like but she is just really I have had months where it's been like unbearable but months where I I guess continue to bear it and right now is a period where though she ripped up some very expensive pillows I got I just I don't know what to do my partner is like saying that they take responsibility for her and they care for her and they do in some things, but, like, I've paid thousands of dollars in medical bills when she accidentally broke out of her crate. And that they haven't been able to pay me back because they don't have a lot of money. And I have, like, bought her toys and food and spent time with her. And when my partner sprained their ankle last Halloween, I walked her for, like, a month and a half straight. And it's just, I'm exhausted. And I I really don't know what to do. I know my partner loves this dog. Um Oh, sorry, we also have a cat. Um, I love him. He's only three. I've had him since he was a baby baby. And the dog kind of antagonizes the cat. Rose, the dog, she just is not great. And I worried she's going to hurt him accidentally. There's been some close calls. I just need advice on how to talk to my partner again. We've talked about her home with her if that's necessary. I really don't want it to be, but I also think she might be happier somewhere else. We're in a city one bedroom. I feel like she'd do better elsewhere, but I'm kind of just... I don't know what to do because things are technically fine. Thank you so much. Please, any advice would be really, really helpful. Love you guys.
4: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) We've had, like, a couple of calls where it's, like, dogs, like, can break relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. they really, really can. So, I yeah. Yeah, it's,
5: It's like when you're... You have... When your partner has an animal, you're also... Dating that animal. Same like if you, if they have like a child, like that child is also a part of your life and you have to take them into consideration.
4: Yeah. I mean, I do think this boils down to like a division of labor issue because like for a partner to be like, oh no, I, I take care of the the dog. And it's like, I live with the dog. So like, therefore, and like, I am not like a heartless wench. Mm -hmm, So like, mm -hmm. I feed the dog. Like, there are things like that where it becomes like, if you live together, you're not, you can't have a separate, like that can't you, every issue will be a joint issue whether like you're having mm-hmm. a problem at work like that will affect like you can't leave it all at the door like there is like things like when you live together like you're enduring life together and so I mean I guess like I don't even like the context of like how you phrase something to get someone to like understand it differently because like I think when you have the same we, we've said this before but like when you have the same argument over and over and over again or the same yeah. like contextual point like you, as the person who are trying to get your point across, like you just, you're, you're caring, you're doing all of the labor. Like you're having to like reword or rephrase or come up with different ways to try and get someone to get to the point where you're at. And it's like not the most direct way. But I mean, my automatic go to at that point is I'm like, if you had the same, I think if you've had the same argument f- for like months and like things have not changed and like you're getting more and more frustrated and building more and re- more and resentment, I'm like, that's like therapy or breakup. But like, that's, I'm also extreme. <laughs> So, like, what what would you say to, like, a client if
6: they were, like, dealing with, like, this stage? This one's hard. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, am I just not a dog person? Like, I just am so annoyed on their behalf. And, like, I did grow up with a dog, but it's been a while since I've had one. So I feel like I'm just, I miss that part of, like, it's just been a minute since I've had a pet that I have that feeling about. So just as a third party listening, I'm like, this sounds terrible. Like, it's expensive. It's hurting your social life. You're resenting your partner this animal is like destroying your property. Like this seems really frustrating. And so just, I have a lot of um, compassion for the person. And I think she's actually being even more empathetic than the average person would be like people. Like how long has it been a year? Like, I think other people would have been like, it's me or the dog a long Mm -hmm. time ago. So first of all, she's shown a lot of patience and empathy. I think, yeah, what are the things that I would talk to her about I think I would talk to her about the acute problem, like what's happening with the dog now. And then also the larger situation of like, is this the kind of person that you want to be with? And not to be so dramatic to say you should break up over a dog, but okay, acute problem first. So is it sustainable to have this dog long-term? Other people have said that this dog was really challenging. Are there other people that are better suited to deal with this type of rescue? Does your partner understand how you feel about it? What changes have they made Are they planning to pay you back for those expensive vet bills? I would just want to understand, like, what's happening in the dynamic now? And can we make this better for you soon? Because it doesn't sound like this is a good living situation. Uh And in the bigger picture, I'd be like, is your partner responsible? Do you feel like they take on responsibilities that they actually can't manage? And then you have to do that. What is the division of labor in your relationship? Do things feel equitable? Do you feel heard? Do you feel like this is your partner who can help you solve problems? Or are you the problem solver and they're the problem creator? Is this a symbol of something bigger going on? And so let's make sure that you feel comfortable in your home, but let's also make sure this is the right relationship for you.
4: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Because I think like I always say that like one person can have a problem. And the other person cannot have a problem at all. But the other part person having a problem that you should have a problem with that. Like you shouldn't mm-hmm. you shouldn't just be like, well, that's fine if like I'm cool with it. And it's like, well, I'm not cool with it. And it's like, so therefore you should not be cool with it because you care about me and you want this. So like I, I, I agree in the sense of like, what are you doing as a part? Like what is your partner doing mm-hmm. to change this? Because this is you can't continue on like this. And even if they can, you can't. And so then, mm-hmm. like I agree I, for me, it would have i a long time ago probably would have, and i I also I didn't have great pets growing up, and so I do think I have like a way shorter fuse with <laughs> this kind of stuff, and like I wouldn't date someone like, like who I wouldn't have done this, but yeah, I, I think that like the responsibility aspect of it like it also just becomes like it goes from being like annoying. To being unsexy to being repulsive and like it translates into like how you feel about your partner it goes from being like i'm annoyed by you to being like i don't find you sexy right now and then you're like i'm repulsed by the like the the side of you and the thought of you and that becomes like a you can't come back from that relationship wise Mm -hmm. i don't think
5: yeah and also this is a lot of dog to have in a one bedroom Mm -hmm. apartment with two people Mm -hmm. and a cat like that maybe the dog just isn't happy being in that small mm. space too and they need some place where they can like run around and that maybe why that why they're acting out
6: yeah yeah it's almost like the caller needs permission to say this isn't working but is scared because the other partner really loves the dog but it's okay to say this isn't the best environment for the dog or us mm-hmm. yeah
4: and if there's no solution if you if you can't find something of like well what can we do to change this what can we do to work on this like if there are no other like then that is that is rehoming the the dog like that it it becomes like there's very rarely if both parties are putting forth all of their effort to find a solution or find a next step or something to try eventually like you will run out of things like there isn't like a surprise thing that like will just like pop up one day like if you're actively searching for those things like eventually like you do run out of You do run out of options like there. It's not limitless and it sucks that it's not the one that you maybe ideally want to do. But like, yeah, it's probably it might be the best one for the relationship and for the dog. But I also think that like your partner should take some responsibility for trying to work on the problem. And you should take a backseat to that, because I think it shows I think it shows your partner's character about they don't want to they don't want to watch you be miserable. And they want to be proactively trying to get this situation to be something that you're both enjoying.
6: Yeah, I think your point that if I have a problem, you also should have that problem is really (laughs) smart. And maybe the caller is not implying that. Maybe it's kind of like, so I have an issue with the dog, but my partner loves the dog. It's like, no, we have an issue with the dog. Yes. Yeah, Yeah.
4: wholeheartedly. Well, best of luck. I would have been out so long ago. Also, big dogs scare the shit out of me. So I would have been, I've been cowering in a corner.
5: All right, we're going to take another break. Hold
0: up.
4: We're back from our break, and we're going to get into the final one.
9: Hi, Megan. Hi, Melissa. I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller because I'm finally of age and get to call in and ask for your advice. I want to know if I should reach out to my situation ship now that he's back from rehab and his parents' house. This boy, um, let's call him Fred, was introduced to me by another guy who I went to high school with. We'll call him Scooby. Way back in the summer <laughs> We talked for about a night before, and I found out that Fred has BPD and autism. So on our first day, I took him hiking on a trail so that he could feel more comfortable and not too overstimulated. It was essentially a blind date, so I wanted to meet up with Scooby afterwards, and that's where we shared our first kiss. You guys can call me Shaggy in the story. So this night was the night that Fred sent Shaggy. Some photos were pretty close to nudes, but weren't totally nudes. He wasn't hard, but he wasn't not hard, if you know what I mean. We kept talking and I found that a lot of our conversations would lead into a very sexual vibe, which isn't boring in the gay community, especially early on in the relationship. By our second date, it was a movie night at his place. I was pretty much expecting us to have sex. He was transparent that this would be his first time with a guy, so it made sense that when I got there, all he wanted to do was watch white chicks and nothing much more. I'm talking, not even hold hands. Meanwhile, I was hard the entire time because this guy is just like good looking. The one thing I haven't shared is that Fred was going through some withdrawal from some substances that he was using earlier on that year. And so he'd be checking into a rehab for the next eight weeks. He wanted for the next eight weeks for us to try long distance, only being able to talk after 7 p.m. when he was allowed to use his phone. And I agreed. It was fun at first because we talk about the sexuality and things that we've gotten up to, but after literally about a week of that, things started dying down and we'd have nothing to talk about except each other's day. Things were very different from the atmosphere that we built before and it was impossible to relate to him. Certain memes and moments that we shared between the first and second day were things that made us laugh and get along, but beyond that, things were just dry. The last conversation that we had was a very serious one, and it made me realize that despite the fact that we were so similar in the way that we lived life, we had very different views on topics like kids, government, substance and religion. I dropped him because he was dry and we just didn't click. I think back, I remember he used to say that he was a really nervous person and that it'd take a minute for him to get outside his comfort zone. This makes me feel like I was quick to judge him and that I should have tried getting closer with him for a bit longer. Had I Shaggy been a little bit more patient, maybe the conversations that were difficult early on would have gotten easier and Fred would have been less nervous and more easygoing like Scooby knew him to be. He told me that after rehab, he would settle back at his apartment, but we were sharing each other's locations for a while before he took me off and i saw that he was at his parents house on snapchat that was a couple days ago but i recently looked at his story and i saw that he was back in crystal cove at his apartment we still have each other on snapchat but he's made another ig account which scooby follows but i don't i don't know should i reach out should i apologize for not being more patient and seeing what kind of thing he can turn out to be i want to try again please let me know melissa megan i'm dying here
6: i mean i'm exhausted okay. <laughs>
4: I do love the idea of, like, having a movie night where one person is just, like, intently watching white chicks and the other person is just, like, totally hard. I'm like, I I, I just, especially, like, at certain parts of white chicks, like, not sex, like, it's just, like, that's so fucking funny to me. For me, what sticks out here is, like, at the very end, you like kind of throw in. It's like, oh, yeah. And we had like this one conversation where I was like, I guess we're like not really lined on like politics, government, like <laughs> drugs or like religion or kids. And I'm like, cool. I like, I, I clocked you trying to like just slide that in there at the oh, end. My gosh. And so, like, to, so that I think is this to me, like point blank, this to me is horny and lazy. Yeah. Like, you are horny mm. and lazy and just like find someone else. Like, this is just, it's not, it's not it. But like, we've all done that where you like, you circle back to someone you've like had feelings for before because like, you already, you kind of know what you're in for and you're like, know what to expect. But I, I think that no matter how nervous someone is, like having like fundamental differences in beliefs, like that doesn't, that's like, no, like the more comfortable you get, unfortunately, the, the, those views get like more intense, more opposite of yours and like far more extreme and proud. And like, I've had that experience with like friends when they've dated people who like, they kind of ease them in to be like, yeah, no, I kind of like think this. And like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm not super liberal, but like, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not crazy conservative. And to me, I'm like, okay, red flag. And my friends are like, no, like that totally works. And then like three months later, they're like, yeah, I don't think like women should have the right to vote. And I'm like, oh, who could have guessed that that was going to end up there? Like, it's just I don't think that's a nervous thing. Yeah,
5: it seems like you're fundamentally incompatible. You don't have the same values um, and you just this isn't somebody you want to be in a relationship with and they don't want to hook up. So like why are we here? Why are we having this conversation?
4: <laughs> yeah, I I agree with that. I don't know. I think like caller, like you're very considerate and like so kind in the sense of like your first date. Like if someone like thought about like, I've got horrible ADHD and I've got like bad social anxiety. But like if someone thought about the fact that like, I mean, a hike would be a bad thing for me because I also, you know, I've got some circulation issues. But like if someone like thought ahead of like, oh, I know that they've got ADHD and like I going on a date with them, maybe we'll do something that's like an activity, but it's not like noisy and it's not like super in public or something like that. Like I would have felt like, wow, that's like so nice and so considerate. So like, I don't think that I wonder if part of you callers like thinking that you're, you're feeling a little bit like guilty that this person who you started talking to like went through something as, rehab can be like really beneficial it also can be like even still beneficial it can be kind of traumatic and hard that you're feeling like you might have like snipped someone in like the depths of like something that was difficult but I think like you are so accommodating and like thoughtful at the beginning of this that like I think you're kind of rewriting history to the fact that, like Melissa said like you're I think the reason why you're not talking is you have fundamental differences and like I think the conversation being dry is just like the current excuse because you're 19 you're not looking to settle like it doesn't you can hook up with people who have different views than you and that kind of stuff but like you can do that but like at least the conversation shouldn't be boring and dry yeah
6: Yeah. I'm definitely responding to this person's age and being like what would I want to know at 19 like what do I know now that I didn't know then And what keeps coming up for me is this idea of you really get to choose what environments you're in. You get to choose who you spend time with. You get to choose how people make you feel. And I think that when you're younger, you don't realize that. And you're like, oh, I get what's given to me. Or I guess this is who I'm eligible for. Or this is just what I have to put up with. And I feel like I could look back at my own history and be like, why didn't I leave that room? Why didn't I leave that relationship? Why didn't I leave that job? And it's like, because you don't understand that there's choice and that you really teach people how to treat you. And so I feel like for this person, I would say, I don't think that this relationship is a good dynamic for you. I think it's making you feel anxious, making you feel insecure, making you feel like there's a lot of red flags that you can ignore or run towards or hopefully (laughs) run away from. And so I would just want to empower this person and say, starting now and for the rest of your life, you get to decide, is this an environment and a dynamic that I want to be in? And I'm not getting the sense that this is. But I feel like there are things that are making you feel like you need to stay. Like, have I given them a fair shot? Is there anyone else out there? Am I blaming them for something that's not their fault? It's like, you know what, like, you get to define the life that you want. And part of that means leaving situations that are not serving you. And I think this is one of them.
4: Yeah, we uh, we've always said that, like, in terms of like, fuck buddies, like there can be people who you have, like, You're so different than they're not someone you'd settle down with. But, like, if you want to hook up with them them, and like you want it to be a fuck buddy situation, the only things that should be there is that, like, you should act, you should have to be buddies. You have to enjoy their company. You have to think that they're fun and funny. And, like, you have to be enjoying the sex that you're having. Otherwise, like, you're putting yourself in a situation where it's like, it's someone you know you're not actually going to date long term. And it's someone like you're not either having sex with or having good sex with. And also, like, you fundamentally, like, don't really get along uh, or have, like, a good banter between you. So, like, you can get whatever you want out of a relationship. And even if the option seems slim, because I'm, I don't know, like, you're 19. So I don't know if you're, like, still, like, living at home or, like, in a small hometown. But you said that this was their first sexual experience. The guy does not sound like this is yours. And so it can, I know that the pool can be a hell of a lot smaller um, depending on where you are but if you're not you're not getting anything out of this the conversation's dry and you're not even having like you're not hooking up and so it's just kind of like right now it, it I think if you reach out you're essentially just being like hi would you like to be pen pals or friends mm-hmm. and it's like that's not what you're don't looking for want to be
6: either yeah. of those things because yeah yeah maybe the key message is just like what do you want mm-hmm. I don't know that this person knows what they want
4: yeah and that's fine but it's like I know it's not
6: this It just shouldn't Mm -hmm. be this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Knowing what you want also means knowing what you don't want.
4: Yeah, love that. Well, that's it. That is it for our episode, Logan. Thank you so much. I feel like I learned a lot that I'm going to like share. We're going to share with people, you know, moving forward when we give advice. And I also feel very validated in some of the advice that we've given. And I personally have like a strong passion about redoing people's dating profiles and Yay. so knowing that you're like, you encourage people to like, you know, revamp them. I love, and maybe I should, maybe I'll start making other people let me do that for them. Um, That's a great gift. A great gift you can give people. The thing that I always tell people, like you have to have like a personality pick. And I had a friend who, she's like so funny and she's so fucking weird and she's so goofy and off the wall and like people who meet her they're like I've Mm -hmm. never met a girl like this before I'm like I know she's fucking insane and like I love her and she's just she's hilarious and so fun but I looked at her profile and I was like dude this is not like who is this person like bitch who is this and so I was like I, I was like I'll give you like 50 bucks if you make your last photo the picture that you have posted on your like Instagram story a couple weeks ago of her like covered in barbecue sauce eating chicken wings. And I was like, I promise you, people are going to message from this and they'll get it. And she was like, I can't do that. And I was like, why this is you they're gonna figure it out eventually and you're gonna be dating some like dry as hell person who like suck and is gonna be shocked by this and she did it and it like completely worked so well and I was oh, like I love that I think welcome. that you gave her
6: really good advice I mean yeah. first of all it's like they're gonna figure out who you are eventually be upfront, <laughs> but also stand out yeah. like you know yes. what beige flags are it's just like blending into the background it's like I should feel like the person I'm meeting is the person on the profile and for your friend she just needed to lean into being quirkier and that's totally yeah. worked for my clients Oh, I love that. Well, the time flew by. I'm so glad you've created this space where people can call in and get advice. And it was just so fun getting to know you. It was amazing. Can you let people know where
4: they can get your book and any of the potentially like, I don't know if you do virtual dating coaching or you oh, specifically sure. do it in your
6: area. Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Logan Urie. I have a weekly dating newsletter called Logan's Love Letter. I have some courses on my website, including a profile course if people are interested in that. And yeah, my book, How to Not Die Alone. I read the audiobook. So if you liked my voice, listen to that. If you didn't get the, the <laughs> art cover, yeah. enjoy it. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank oh my you. gosh, thank this you for being on. It was amazing,
4: wonderful. And if anyone wants to call in for an upcoming episode, 310-694-0976. And you can also send us an email, like we said at the beginning of the episode, but to meganpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon where you can support us. And I think that's it,
5: right, Melissa? Let's talk about our episodes the rest of the week.
4: Oh, yeah. We have other episodes coming out this week. We have See You Next Tuesday. Logan, you're about to learn that we love a little pun. See you next Tuesday, oh, where we just talk on Tuesdays uh, about little things going on in our life, lots of fun stuff. Melissa gives a, uh, where she's been, what she's been doing. She also talks about her dating life, which most of us to get some people to be like, I'm going to listen on Tuesday because this she <laughs> doesn't
5: say a word about her own current dating life. Yeah, I only say things when it's over. There's a hint.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and the, there you go. It's a hint. And then uh, on Thursdays, we have, but am I wrong where you probably heard this episode that you were like, wow, Megan and Melissa are always right. You are right. We're never wrong. So we tell you when you are being wrong and when pop culture celebrities, all of those things uh, in, in the zeitgeist we, with our... Our sparkly pink gavels. We decide who is who's good and who is evil. Um, and then we have Fisting Friday, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. So, so sorry, Logan. We just met. We have a podcast called Fisting Friday. Solely for the reason that we made a joke and then we like couldn't get it out of our head, so we could never fucking rename the great
6: alliteration is always (laughs) appreciated. (laughs) I like that. I like that.
4: That's what I say. So that's where we read the results because people can vote on um who they think is wrong in each episode of But Am I Wrong. And we read the results and we talk about things. But this week, um, I'm just gonna be updating people on one of my favorite internet deep dives. Hint, Timothy Chalamet is involved. Woo!
5: All right, that's it. Amazing. Well, thank you so Yay. much for joining us. I loved and, it. Yeah. Thank goodbye. you. Don't blame me is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa D. plus Diamond Imprint Productions.
4: Post-production sound and editing by Coco Lorenz.
5: Production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.
4: And music by Giacomo Picasso and Ryan Hunter.